Welcome to the Fix Your Funnel interview series podcast. In this episode, I'm talking with Ollie Bilson of UK, and he is going to be talking about one-to-one sales turnaround. This is about a business of his. I'll let the introduction kind of get on its own, but this is extremely valuable if you have anybody that is a a customer that has like $1,000 or more lifetime customer value. You're going to want to listen to every second of this. So with that, let's just get into it. I'm really excited about what Ollie's going to be sharing today because there's a few things that just really transform uh, your whole business. And one of them is when you understand how to communicate and connect with people. It's You know, Ollie, uh, you can tell me if you think I'm oversimplifying this, but um, when people talk about business, they feel like they overcomplicate it for the most part. When it comes to business, you've got to create something of value that other people say, hey, that's worth more than I'm going to end up spending on it. So the, the equation, I know there's a lot of people say, no, it's got to be equal exchange. Now, you, of course, as the business owner, you have to be happy with the amount of money you're receiving so that you provide stuff with a good heart. But the perceived value for the consumer has to be a multiple. You know what I mean? It can't be just equal. If it's just equal, then, you know, it's probably not going to last long term. And for me, when I'm thinking about business, I want it to last long term. I want to be in business, you know, the same business for a long period of time. So I always have to find a new business to be in. So that for me is a, a characteristic. And so, yeah, you have to create some value. But then it comes down to just you've got to be able to communicate that to the market or, in other words, the people who would find value in what you bring. So you got to know who those people are, how do you get in front of them, and how do you communicate what it is that you do in a way that's clear enough that they can easily grasp, oh, that's what you do, that's what I want. Here's my money, give me what I want. You know, that's that's the, the long and short of it. We often overcomplicate it. Um, sometimes it's because of salespeople, right? So people selling technology or maybe information want to make it sound like that there's more to it than that. But the end of the day, that's really all there is to it, isn't there? Yeah, I'd agree. I'd agree totally. Um, and I just think these days, um, you know, there's uh, people are always chasing something new that they think is going to be transformative to their business in some way, shape, or form. Because obviously, there's a lot of people out there that <clears throat> purport a lot of information. Uh, there's a lot of reporters out there of of other people's stuff and when you trace it back some of that information not all of it is always predicated on actual results anyway um so that's one thing um so people start to kind of run around chasing after the the bright shiny object the silver bullet and um i like what you said because yeah it does kind of simplify it a little more is that Really, these days, we've just got new technology uh, 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 that we can leverage. There's obviously more media that we can leverage as well and bring those things together to have more meaningful uh, conversations. Um, And 
done the right way, able uh, using those things, able uh, we're able to crystallize our message in the right way. But you can also, unfortunately, go the other way um, and uh, not leverage technology and media the right sure. way. Um, and in turn, you can have a very messy um, lead to customer journey. You can have a um, you know a business that isn't very predictable, isn't very consistent. Um, and the whole experience for people engaging with your business can be quite frustrating um, because people generally in our space that we're talking about here, they generally over-automate things. Yeah. Um, and they don't always begin with the end in mind, which is obviously rule number 19. Yeah. Number seven, number 19. I never get it. Marketing rule number 19. <laughs> yeah, there you go. I got it first time. <laughs> Yeah, we'll get into that. Yeah, I think that that was enough introduction. What I want to just introduce other people to is uh, Ollie. If you don't know Ollie Bilson, um, you'll obviously get familiar with him during this training, but you may have heard him on the stage at TNC. Um, he's spoken at GKIC, which used to be a great um, organization. I think may have a future still. Um, he's recently been featured on a podcast, uh, the Perpetual, what is it called? Perpetual Traffic. Yeah. A podcast that comes out of the digital market organization. Great podcast, a lot of good information there. Um, and I understand you've got other podcasts you'll be on in the near future. But the reason Ollie and I actually met a long time ago at an ICON, so Infusionsoft's annual uh, conference, and we just started chatting. We had a mutual friend, Dan Bradbury, and uh, we just started talking and. Uh, we found out that we were on the same wavelength for a lot of really important things. And so we hit it off immediately. And um, it's been fun to watch Ollie's career because Ollie had his businesses that were really nothing to do with Infusionsoft. He was just using Infusionsoft to grow those businesses. And how many businesses do you currently like for? And they're very different too. It's not like they're all similar. You have one that um, does reprogramming of computer chips, right? For cars to get better efficiency or better performance out of them, which is, you yeah. know, that's pretty, pretty out there in terms of, you know, what we're probably talking about today. You have another one that does a lot of uh, automotive en enhancements, like you're showing me that you had M7, it was that what was down in the garage? Yeah, we have an M5, uh, oh, M5. We have an M5 down there getting wrapped. Great, great. I sound like an idiot there's no M7. Yeah. yeah, so, he, you know, he's doing all these, uh, you know, kind of physical hands-on businesses. So he's got, he's been using these concepts that we're going to be talking about in those businesses in some degree. And then you have an agency that actually does um, marketing for businesses, which has been doing phenomenally well. And then what's the fourth one? Um, yeah. So with the, the service business um, to retail B2C and uh, B2C and, um, um, uh, consumer facing, um, they're doing vehicle enhancement. The franchise business, which is the vehicle remapping where we sell franchises internationally, we sold 170 in just under four years uh, in doing that. And then, uh, we've got, um, a business where we train people how to do what we do with the vinyl wrapping and window tinting. Okay. So, train, so train you do people. it and then you also train people how to do it. Yeah. So that's the fourth business. 
Okay. Yeah, cool. outside their own business. And sorry, the, the, that's three. And then the fourth is the agency, um, which uh, is Oliver Wilson. Cool. So Ollie's got a good track record of just getting results. And so that's why I was excited to have him on the call. Besides the fact that we're friends, even if we're friends and you don't get results, you don't get invited on. So Ollie actually gets results. And that's why I was excited for him to share it. And we were just, we chat periodically. And during one of our chats, he was talking about one of those businesses that he hadn't really applied Fix Your Funnel and you know some of the strategies that you do with Fix Your Funnel too, and so you're thinking about shutting it down because it just wasn't performing up to par. And as you guys know, we have a limited amount of time, and so we can only invest that in so many things. And so it is an important thing if you do have multiple ventures to evaluate those ventures from time to time and say, hey, should we cut this one off? You know. But before you decide to cut it off, you did something. So what I'm hoping today you're going to do, and we've talked about this, so I know you will, is um, take us through that journey. What was that? What was going on in that business beforehand? What was the epiphany? What was the aha moment? And then what did you do specifically? I think that's where people get a lot of value. Yeah. Hey, so, at the risk of making me sound extremely dumb um, <laughs> to everybody here, um, <clears throat> I kind of made a bit of a cardinal sin, which is that. Um, we weren't actually doing the the right things to enable us to get the results that we we could actually get from that business. And um, what I mean by that is, as an agency, we do a lot of marketing for a lot of other businesses, and we do their marketing for them. We do the consulting, and then we do the implementation, and. Something that we came across probably about three years ago now from um, from you and, and Trent um, was uh, what we now call the phone funnel framework. And the phone funnel framework is a, a, a very powerful system of being able to move people from Facebook advertising, which back then, um, you know, wasn't as prevalent in our marketing mix as it is today, but it was still part of it. Um, move people predictably from Facebook to qualified phone appointments. And I've been teaching and sharing that phone funnel framework for probably the past few years to other people outside of our agency that we weren't doing this for. People inside our agency were getting phenomenal results for uh, nine and up to 11 times return on investment from cold Facebook advertising. So it was That's working phenomenal. with other clients. And then I started sharing it at different marketing events like you talked about, like on Digital Marketer and other places like that, and letting people into the mechanics of it all. And um, so that's that's kind of just the context on kind of the thing, some of the things we're going to talk about here. In other words, you're trying yeah. to say you knew better. Yeah, I <laughs> I know this stuff. I know this stuff well. Um, I know it intimately well because we invented some of the things that enabled it to be so successful. Okay, um, so and we took the concept and we amplified it into many different industries. It wasn't just one industry, we made it into lots of different industries. Sure. So it needed, in, in industries where people needed to have a conversation with people over the phone in order to sell to them. That's Can I do a timeout real quick? Because yeah. I think some people yeah. listening will may tune out at this point if they're like, well, I don't want to have conversations over the phone. I don't have conversations over the phone. 
Um, if you're one of those people, what I would say is just hold on and hear Ollie all the way through because there is a common myth which hopefully will dispel by the time this is all over, which um, I'm not going to state what that myth is yet. If you'll just hold on, we will cover it for sure. But it is probably a myth that's got you making some decisions that are actually really counterproductive to your financial well-being and may honestly be sucking the life out of you. So just hang on. We'll get to it. But if you are one of those people that's like, yeah, we don't have phone calls. Uh, we don't do that kind of stuff. Just hear them all the way out because you may be surprised at what you'll discover. So thanks for that time out, Ollie. But go ahead. Set the stage for us. What was so, going on before? Well, the, the truth is this business, which, by the way, I've had for 11 years. So it's not a new business. Yeah. 11 years, okay? Um, for those who don't know, I've been in business since I was 15. So, you know, yeah, I've been around a bit. And he's um, now 17, so he started this business yeah. too. Yeah. So um, th this business, which was near and dear to my heart, which I used to operate, um, you know, had predominantly uh, it, it gone from a human um, sales process, meaning I used to sell over the phone to people that inquired, through to advancements with automation, through to us automating a lot of the marketing and automating the selling. So just to be clear, 10, 11 years ago, I went from people calling us, us speaking to people and selling to them, through to us generating leads and then putting them through an automated system. Um, so real quick to give context, so is that where you first started using Infusionsoft? That's right. Yeah, that's right. So you had been do, running this business. It had been successful, obviously, because you were still doing it and getting some money from it. But you're like, hey, maybe I could gain some leverage by utilizing automation. And so you did that. And did you get uh, any leverage from that initially? Yeah, because one, one of the foundational principles that I begin to learn above marketing automation was direct response marketing. Sure. And I, I discovered direct response about 12 years ago, and I realized the power of information-first marketing. So giving value in advance to people to build a relationship with them, to create a system of acquiring leads, acquiring contact information, and being able to then follow up with those people to a point when they were going to buy. And that's where Infusionsoft came in because once I'd learned direct response marketing, I was able to add rocket fuel to that because I was then able to keep up with the number of leads that I was generating. Whereas before, more brand-based advertising, there was a small number of people coming into us that we were then dealing with manually. Um, and so that's really where Infusionsoft um, I, I want to just real quick point out for everybody that's watching this that that is a common thread that I hear throughout. And fortunately, I mean, it wasn't on purpose. It was accidental for me, but that's how I got into marketing automation was direct response marketing automation at the same time. And I feel like if you don't have those two pieces, you may struggle a little bit more with the marketing automation. But pay attention not only to that fact, but as Ollie continues with his story, 
pay attention to the the pathway that he goes on in terms of evolution because what I believe is that it's not a personal just discovery and then this is unique to Ollie and his situation only but I've seen this pattern so many times with people that are wildly successful in their businesses with marketing automation that I I'm a hundred percent certain that these are key characteristics into gaining the most leverage and creating the most goodwill with your market so you can have a business that is sustainable and you know I'm only 43 but I can at 43 I'm seeing over the hump right <laughs> I say okay there is an end to this life and when it ends it ends you know as far as what we're trying to do here and so if I got to work and I do and I want it to be useful and if I'm going to do all that, might as well be something that's sustainable and is going to grow over time. And I'm not having to restart in five years, which a lot of people find themselves in. And believe it or not, there are principles, and these are two of them, that can help you create that scenario for yourself where you're not having to restart, not having to reinvent the wheel. And you can actually build on opportunities. Of course, things change. Circumstances outside of our purview will come into play. Um, I know that because we had a different business before we started Fix Your Funnel that was very successful, but then, you know, it had an expiration on it. And so we did have to segue, but the principles allowed us to segue uh, eloquently, you know, in, in a way that was elegant and didn't hurt as much. And so hopefully we'll build businesses now, you know, that will sustain for a long period of time and create great value for the customer for a long time. And that's what you want to be doing, too. So pay attention to these principles. Sorry to take such a sideline, but I felt like it was really important for people to pick up direct response marketing plus marketing automation is a good foundation for everything else that will happen in Ollie's story. So really, when we discovered this, um, you know, we were obviously doing everything very manual. Then we figured out direct response. Then we applied direct response to online paid traffic, which at the time was Google AdWords. And we were very early into Google AdWords. Now, Google AdWords is very different to Facebook advertising uh, in the sense that Google AdWords is intentional searches versus interruption-based marketing. We're going to come back onto that in a second because it's really important. Um, So we were doing Google AdWords with direct response, and we were using marketing automation to do the heavy lifting of the marketing for us, okay? But then we still had a manual sales process. So it meant that now we were generating more leads because we were doing information first, lead generation, advertising, marketing, and we had a follow-up system. We then funneled those people into us speaking to them. Now, what happened was, we ended up then creating a situation now because we were doing direct response, we had a lot more intentional, we had a lot more leads that were intentionally looking for what we had to offer and we had to follow up on them. And I don't mean through email, we actually then adopted our old approach of calling everybody and getting through to some people um, and not getting through to others. And it was always a numbers game. How many people can we call? How many people can we speak to? And how many people can we sell to? Um, and then, of course, there were some people that called us as well, and we'd always have those people. They were the low-hanging fruit. But because of the way that we went about our marketing, then we were generating all these leads, then we just naturally thought, well, we need to follow up with all those leads. So that was like this, the second phase of what we did. We went from all manual to heavy lifting with marketing automation and direct response, and but manual sales follow-up. 
Then our third phase was where um, I figured that if we diversified our traffic channel, which at the time was just Google AdWords, into what was very, very early into Facebook advertising, like very early, um, we could actually start to automate the sales process. And that was really where, back in 2011, I started playing around with um, um, automated webinars and webinars in general. Because before that, people were doing, in America, people were doing kind of instant tele-seminar and yeah. things like that, where you call into a number. And, you know, we were very, very early into, in fact, I remember when we met in 2012 at Icon, um, I, I remember saying to somebody that we're doing these automated webinars and, you know, we get sales and autopilot, so to speak. And they were like, couldn't believe like with that was, a real thing, but that's how we were doing it. And um, so the third phase was this, now we're getting more leads, let's automate not just the marketing, but also the sales. So I put together a webinar and uh, we started funneling all our leads into this webinar. And then we, at the end of the webinar, we made them an offer. And the end of the offer, that was to, for them to go and make a commitment, financial commitment, to one of our training courses. And um, um, it, I even wrote an article about this many years ago called Kaching. Um, somebody bought right, it. Right. It was just off the email. So. Yeah, that was the legacy um, template notification whenever you, somebody bought something. And, um, of course, you know, back then, back then, um, you know, uh, things were, uh, I was almost like, well, you know, this is like the automated dream because, well, people are buying all this stuff um, and that's cool. And we did get some results from doing that. There's no question of that. Sure. Um, but what we found was, that they were great with Google AdWords because people were intentionally looking for what we wanted. But the moment we diversified our traffic channel to more interruption-based marketing with Facebook, things didn't work out so well. Conversion rates of that webinar started to go down because we were interrupting people. We were using a slightly different message to get in front of them in the first place. They weren't seeking us out. We were... Um, you know, the, the bait that we were using was bringing them directly into the webinar rather than an information kit or something like that. So, um, you know, I quite honestly at this point were, had already created a fairly successful and significant business. In fact, it was into seven figures. We'd done over a million dollars in turnover from doing this. And what was a very automated business, I thought I had it sorted out. But as Google AdWords started to get more expensive to run, because if you were running AdWords back then, you'll know what I'm talking about. Yeah. It's not the same anymore. And we started to spend money on other traffic sources. The profitability started to come down and the conversions were coming down. So it kind of led me into a situation of like, has this, is this business possible to scale? Because I didn't want to be, build a sales team. Like, I didn't want to go back to, we could never deal with all these leads like we had before. And call you knew, I never wanted to go back to that. Do you know all the pain points that that 
entailed. And so you're like, yeah, I just don't want that. That's not going to be worth right. it because I already know what kind of results I'm going to get from that. Yeah, and I got so used to this coaching somebody sold something that every single Tuesday and Thursday when I ran the webinar at half past eight at night, I would get my my money like it was you know the money came in right yeah and uh, and that was it and I got used to that and became very complacent with that um, so much so that I you know allowed that business to continue but more importantly one thing that came out of it was that um, I really honed our craft in that business um, in terms of um, being very effective with online marketing and adopting direct response online sure. and leveraging marketing automation, which was my pathway into helping other people do that. So I'm very thankful for that journey. But what transpired was the growth, the antithesis of the business we have today, which is the Oliver Wilson marketing business as an agency um, that we, you know, people were like wowed by the results. I mean, GKIC and those guys were like, I can't believe this guy's selling all this stuff like through webinar. Nobody's getting results like this. How is he doing it? And I, I started helping people like that, you know, and other gurus and celebrities, so, so to speak, in that space, you know. Let's take a quick pause then right here because what was what we're seeing here for those that weren't picking up maybe on these little kind of details that Ollie was dropping in here is that he had followed the natural progression that a lot of people do which is okay I've got my marketing automation working well I've got these headaches with sales going on so I'm going to now transform this to a fully automated business right and you were actually did it successfully which was awesome so um, this is the the big myth. The big myth is that it's an either or situation. You either have a great sales organization or you have a great marketing organization, but rarely do we see people that want to sustain having both. And the reason why is because there's a disconnect in those approaches that they're actually working against each other instead of together, right? So frequently, like you're saying, you had the marketing automation automated, but you didn't have any of the sales process really tied into that. They were, it was sales over here in this silo, and then we had a line down the middle with marketing over here. So marketing did all its stuff, and then sales was supposed to do all its stuff, but ne'er the two would you know, come together. And so that was, that's a very typical scenario. It's a natural evolution, like you know, being in the marketing automation world only for the short period that I have been, uh, a little over a decade or so. What I've noticed is that this is a common pathway. And it's not a bad thing, but it's it's part of that evolution of growth in terms of understanding how do I scale and grow this business? How do I have marketing automation to give me leverage? And the natural part of it is the tendency to want to automate everything, to eliminate people entirely from the business and just, you know, put the, the best foot forward in an automated fashion and let it run. But that um, eventually always breaks down. Yeah, and I think that, um, you know, for us, you know, not only did I get a little complacent about that, um, I got distracted. And um, I got distracted in a very good way because I got these businesses that I was using as my own personal laboratory sure. for figuring out what was working. So that then when I went to other business owners, 
um, as an agency, I could provide proof of concept and case studies for exactly how they could get similar results. But um, the the, uh, the reality was, while I was away building a multi-million dollar marketing agency, <laughs> this business back at home just continued to decrease in conversions um, and in profitability and in revenue. Um, and actually, um, meant, it actually meant that we, I had some tough decisions that I needed to make. Um, because, you know, we were still spending money and we were still getting some results. But I knew that, um, there was a better way than the way that we were, were, were selling because we were learning more and seeing more than, you know, um, than the results that we were, we were getting from that business. So you knew all this, but you still were contemplating, should I just shut it down because it's a distraction yeah. at this point? Right. Walk us through real quickly that. And then um, before you do, though, I just want to highlight that other thing you pointed out, which is that transition between search based marketing to interruption based marketing and interruption, uh, interruption based marketing is so much more economical currently that a lot of traffic has shifted there. But um, this happens all the time, too. You see this all the time is what happens is your gurus who are the gurus during one phase frequently will shift over to be the gurus during another phase. And it's very easy to try and use the rules of the other phase in the new phase. So if we were in the search-based marketing and now we're coming down into this, you know, interruption-based marketing, what I've noticed is a lot of gurus, a lot of people that are information leaders out there, are still using concepts that they had formulated during the search-based marketing phase and the interruption. And they're... They're not quite getting the same results, but because of their sheer mass and influence, they're still getting results for themselves. But when other people try and use these techniques, they're not having the same results. And they're like, why is that? How come I can't get the same results that X and Y, Z guru is getting? Um, because you don't have the sheer mass that you carried over from that previous phase into the new phase, which is compensating for the inappropriate techniques that are being used that were really from the previous phase in this new phase of interruption-based marketing. So if I'm going to interrupt, I've got to do things very different. And that's then what you would come across in your agency, obviously, at that point. But okay, that that aside, you know, you can yeah. add on to it if you want, well, but then take it well, take us to the decision. What's important is, is that you understand, if you're listening to this, that Marketing and sales are not the same thing. Advertising and marketing are not the same thing. There's advertising, marketing, and sales. Mm. And uh, there are other divisions, obviously, but primarily they are different. And um, <clears throat> in, in regards to um, specifically Facebook advertising, Exactly what you just mentioned, that the same uh, approach that we were taking with intentional search-based marketing um, that had got us some results and created this automated business actually just didn't work with Facebook. What we found was, and the point where it was very agonizingly painful for me, was the fact that we are, as an agency, are very good at running traffic, very good at generating leads. 
very good at generating very inexpensive leads and leveraging that platform as we do for a lot of other people. And we did that as a, at this point, our agency is almost our marketing department. Um, and we were generating all these leads from Facebook um, way, way cheaper than the intentional searches from uh, Google, um, but using the same framework. And um, it was getting to a point where I'm like, this just doesn't convert anymore. But that's because it's a different audience. It's a different audience. They're in a different moment. They're in a different moment. That's very different. And so um, we had to think about what we were going to do. And honestly, you know, the, the business was um, really falling behind um, our progress in terms of my other businesses. And, you know, uh, I uh, quite rightly, as you mentioned, contemplated um, only um, what now probably three months ago of just going, you know what, let's just close this thing down because it just doesn't make sense for us to continue this at the, the velocity that we're, we're going. Um, and um, actually, we've got much more profitable clients, you know? If I yeah. spend time in that business, I need to think about where I spend my time and where my team's time is spent on marketing for people. And just the same way as if I had an unprofitable client, I would fire the client. I wanted to fire our own business um, because it was sucking up resources and not producing return. Yeah, and it was great at lead generation, crappy at conversion, and it was getting worse. Yeah, and then I kind of uh, I was out at um, I was speaking at um, traffic and conversion, and um, I was speaking about the phone funnel framework, and I was sharing two case studies from different businesses. Um, that had got tremendous results with this approach, this funnel, and this framework. Um, and I came back to my hotel room, and I uh, I was looking through the metrics of the, the the training business, our own training business back at home. And is that Players Club? No, no, the, um, sorry, the, um, the training business, the actual business that was underperforming. Oh, okay, the underperforming okay. one, okay. Yeah, and, and I was looking at it, and I was going like, the, Ollie, if you take the concepts that you've been teaching here, the concepts that you've been implementing for other people that have been getting amazing results, you don't have to employ a sales team like you used to to get the results that you want. You know there needs to be a human interaction. You're trying to automate this. You're trying to create a business that doesn't involve people because you don't want to hire people like you used to hire them when you know that you can implement this funnel and it could potentially make a, a, a remarkable difference to this business. So why don't you just do it? Because you can do it. So make it happen. And what I made a mental commitment to at that point was a kill date. And I said, if by the beginning of, uh, beginning of April, if we have not significantly increased our uh, profitability, not just turnover, but profitability, I'm going to kill this business. That's it. Right? Because I don't need it. We've got other businesses and this is a distraction. And instead, I'm going to focus our team on putting the phone funnel framework to work in the business, and let's see what results that we get. 
Um, so predominantly at this point now, although we're still doing Google advertising, it was Facebook and of course the phone funnel framework, it fits perfectly with Facebook. And so um, I implemented it and um, I hired a salesperson. Now this guy, this is really important. This, this guy um, uh, who I hired, uh, I know that I, I wanted to bring a salesperson in. I didn't want to build a big sales team, um, you know, was very technologically challenged, should we put it that way. He was very open with the fact he was technologically challenged. So he would love getting into Infusionsoft and just working it. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I was like very concerned by the fact that even if he could use a mouse and a keyboard or not at this point, right? Um, but he could sell. He had a pedigree of selling, and, and, and that was important to me. Um, and I liked the way that he um, that he talked about selling to people. He talked about uh, consultative selling. Um, he talked about a collaborative process of getting people to the point of making a decision. I knew that he was the right person, but I didn't know if he could use the system that we'd set up at that point. Um, but I, we went about um, in... Um, in hours, we use sprint points. We're an agency, which I know is a bit of a Chinese menu of things. But in hours, it probably took uh, nine hours or so, um, about 21 sprints, sprint points, to put the phone funnel framework together for the business. So that meant the advertising, fix your funnel, Infusionsoft, and three uh, main uh, conversion uh, pages. I'm not going to call them funnel pages. I'm just going to call them web pages. Okay, and um, we hooked it all together, and um, we uh, immediately recognised a subtlety in the a side benefit to the phone funnel framework that we didn't expect, uh, that we hadn't seen for other implementations we've done. Because we're not in their business, we don't get to see it. But in our own business, we got to see how easy it was to actually onboard somebody that didn't have any previous experience of this type of technology and how they can use it. You're talking about onboarding a salesperson. Exactly. Hey, this might be helpful at this point too. I know you got your iPad in front of you to maybe draw out, you know, a general sketch of the phone framework so people have, you know, because they've been hearing this phrase, but they don't really understand what that is. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And then um, if, if we can... You know, just walk walk through that, and then you can go ahead and continue to elaborate on how this non-tech salesperson started suddenly having a totally new experience. Sure. So um, let's do that. So the phone funnel looks a little bit like this. First of all, you've got different Facebook ads. Okay, these are your uh, different creatives that are in uh, Facebook. Um, you know, whatever type of, um, you know, creative that you're using, sure. tar- targeting people. Um, then uh, there is a, uh, what's called a advertising objective in um, Facebook called Facebook Lead Ads. Now, um, Facebook Lead Ads is a, a way to be able for the user's information to be pre-populated, like an opt-in box, but their information is pre-populated into uh, the lead ad um, when they click your advert. 
uh, when they click their advert, the box pops up and uh, their information is pre-filled. Now, I'm going to come back to a bit of context here in a second, but just to draw out an outline of this, they enter their information um, into uh, the lead ad box, and the information that's on here is uh, their first name, uh, their email, and their mobile phone number. Oh, just in case you didn't pick up on it, Ollie is from New York. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and um, there is also um, a, a question that we ask, uh, which is called a custom question, uh, which asks them, um, would you like the video instantly text to you? Question mark. That gives us the permission to be able to um, market to them in the future. I'm going to come back to the context here in a second. Once they've filled in uh, this information and, and provided us with their information, this information is then synced to Infusionsoft um, CRM. So basically their first name, email, and everything else goes in, and the custom question goes in as a, as a custom field um, so that we know whether or not we can continue um, marketing to them in the future because they've given us permission to text them. That, by the way, isn't quite... Um, there's a compliance thing around that which we can talk a little bit more about, but I don't want to go too deep in the weeds here. Now, basically what happens here is that in Infusionsoft, um, we have a decision diamond that says, can we text them um, or can we not text them based upon their field? Now, 80% in our experiments uh, and uh, data have shown us 80% of people will say yes, that we can text them. That means that we can then follow up with them uh, through uh, their phone uh, to uh, through text messages, through Fixture Funnel, uh, to get them to the value that we're promising in each one of these ads. I'll add in there too, in Trent's um, experimentation too, which totaled up to like 70,000 leads or so. I don't know, maybe it's more than that by now. Last Trent gave me an update on it. Um, it was the same, and then it was about 97% mobile numbers. 99% yeah. real numbers. So only 1% of the phone numbers were fake numbers. Um, email addresses, of course, they were all um, better emails than typical because they were the, the Facebook account email versus one they just came up with. Since it's pre-filled in, you don't have to type it. You know, So it's just easier to get the real stuff as opposed to fake stuff. Yeah. And um, here's the thing that's quite important is that when you're doing these um, these ads, you want the ads to be targeting mobile devices only, okay? Now, the reason why we want to do that is because people don't want to have to wait for the information that you're, that they're, uh, that you're, prom you're prom promising in your ads. And so, clearly, if they're on a mobile device, there's then a congruency between the response mechanism 
and the delivery mechanism. And so, you know, that's very important to remember that if you're targeting people on a mobile device, how do they want to receive that information? What's the most logical way of receiving it? It's going to be to their mobile device. I know there's some people that say, hey, people have their email on their mobile phone too, but what's the big difference between email and text when it comes to delivery? Well, email does drive a lot of behavior, um, but you're fighting against, um, first of all, you're fighting against if your messages are getting read even in the inbox, because, you know, we are, um, I'll ask the people that are watching this, how many things do you request online, like PDFs or checklists or videos or video series, but then never actually get round to the video, or get, get round to actually opening up your email to go and watch it? Um, and they will go and consume that, that information. Um, and, you know, if you're like most people, um, the truth is it's not how good your subject line is that's helping you get those things open. It's whether they're being opened at all um, because people's lives are busy. Um, well, and like for me, I use Google Inbox, so all promotional emails as well as updates get, get thrown into two things. So it's not like you even get a chance to see the subject line. Usually it's swiped off. But the other thing I, I, you know, I've noticed too is when you're doing this phone funnel is when the, the text comes through, that always gets a push notification. Right. When you get the email to come through, you only get push notifications about what their, um, their machine learning has determined as emails you normally would want to open anyway, which is rarely going to be a brand new email coming from, you know, a, a new ad that you just filled out a form for online. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I think that that's an important concept that you were able to nail down is that not only are we starting mobile, but we're keeping the whole experience mobile, making sure that that um, text when it comes through isn't getting lost, you know, in the millions of emails competing for attention in the email app, but we're getting pushed right to the top with the push notification via text message, which always shows up um, on your on your device unless you've turned them off entirely for. All push, you know, all text messages. It's not discretionary like you'll see with email apps. Sure. One of the things that I get a lot of questions about and a lot of people hone in on, um, which is a big mistake here, is that most people focus on the fact that this is done with lead ads. That is nothing to do, the, the success of this is nothing to do with the fact that if you do lead ads, then this will work. Um, there is, uh, a lot of psychological triggers to do with the reason why this, this campaign works so well sure. and not just the fact that it's lead ads. What lead ads provide the opportunity for is the pre-population of the information. Right. And the reason why lead ads, some people go, well, I tried lead ads and they don't work, is because they were mainly focused on email. They were mainly focused on just getting email. And to be honest, people signed up with Facebook, you know, because the information is pre-populated here, um, if their, you know, user email is a Hotmail address or something that they used to use years ago, and people change their email addresses quite regularly, they do, right? Um, one of the things that they don't change very often is they don't change their mobile phone number very often. And the reason why Facebook has your mobile number is because it's often used as a security device. So, you know, the, the accuracy, which is really important here, of the mobile number is often a lot better 
than the accuracy of the email. Sure. So that's the reason why when people try and do lead ads, sometimes if they're just following up with email, they don't, you know, they have a problem with that because they don't know that. Plus, going back to marketing rule number 19, know how you're going to sell before you decide you're going to lead capture. The email alone, and I guess everybody that's going to watch this has probably heard that a million times from us, but I like to beat things until they're really dead. <laughs> well, the other thing that I should mention here, we get asked this a lot, is you know, what's the best way of bringing this information is it's not natively done uh, through lead ads into Infusionsoft. And um, what we use is a fixture funnel um uh, we use Fixture Funnel Sync to be able to do that, which uh, reaches in to Facebook, grabs the, uh, the, the leads information and syncs it uh, perfectly over into Infusionsoft so that we can then uh, begin the follow-up process. So if they said that we can text them, then obviously we begin uh, the SMS follow-up. And if one of the, the minority of people, um, which in some cases can be hiding this, um, in, in, in our example, uh, this is an aggregation of, of lots of different things of 80%. We're, we're actually higher than that. We're nearly 90% in, in, in our, our experience. Um, the other thing that we do here, by the way, I just want to add this in. When this comes in, uh, because we use Slack as our the, the, the nucleus of our internal system, Fixture Funnel also pushes a Slack um uh, notification in uh, to the uh, to, to Slack. Now that that's quite good because we get like a real time heartbeat on the lead generation every day. Yeah. Um, into what's happening, it's, it's nice to know that it doesn't clutter up your inbox, um, and and actually um, it doesn't take much to look through what's happening there. I you know I know that's kind of a side subject, but I would recommend to everybody that you consider um, Slack as an internal communication channel just because after, you know, over a decade using Infusionsoft, what I learned pretty quick is I'm busy doing what I want to focus on in growing that business. And the last thing I really want to do is be getting into Infusionsoft all the time and checking, you know, how are things working? I'd rather Infusionsoft and my other activities were reporting to me so I can at a glance see, are things working? And that's a very different paradigm from what a lot of people end up doing. But, you know, I, I can't tell you the last time I looked at an actual Infusionsoft report because I've got my data mostly talking to me. And then I'll use Graphly, you know, to go see, like, when I want to see historical perspective. Because no offense to Infusionsoft, but their reports just suck for getting historical perspective, which is where all the value comes so you know, I'll use Graphly to get historical perspective. I know there's other tools people use, but I do that for historical perspective. But to get the heartbeat, um, I'm just having Infusionsoft, or in this case, like you're saying, Fixture from the Sync talking to uh, Slack. And I think that's a huge takeaway. If anybody isn't doing that right now, it will change the way that you operate your business because instead of having to search out information, it's coming to you. Now, now, what some people might be wondering is, well, what are you promising in any of these Facebook ads? Uh, and what we found to work very well is a case study video. Now, I would encourage this because um, what you'll come to learn is, is that the webinar that we ran for so long 
that was successful and it generated yeah, some millions of do- millions of dollars it had um, being successful. We're actually using really the same modality that we were using before, but we're getting them there in a different way. We're getting them to a point where they're going to consume it a lot quicker. And that's very, very important because when you're using text messages, you know, they're getting a notification, they're expecting a notification, they've opted for, you know, us to give them that information uh, in the conven- convenient way for them uh, to, um, to consume it. And it means that when they consume our content, obviously we're going to start generating a relationship with them because they've actually consumed it as opposed to them, you know, not actually consuming what it is that we want, like registering for a webinar and not showing up, or registering for a webinar and only watching it part, watching it part way through. You know, it, it creates a lot of contingencies you end up having to set up that with this process, you don't necessarily need to do. Um, and and th- this is important. Um, now, if you're a SaaS business, your case study could be a demo. Uh, if you're a, you know, uh, an information marketing business, it could be a case study. Um, if you're a service-based business, um, it could be an instructional type video. Um, videos work extremely well, and the really the, the real beauty of this are that there are only three pages that are part of this whole process. Uh, the first page is called your primer video. And the second page is called your main event video. Okay, these are the first two ones. And what happens is, is that this is the first one that you drive people to after they have opted in. Now they're gonna come to this video from a text message, uh, or possibly an email, but most of the time it's gonna be a text message. And what this video does, I'm not going to go through everything here, but uh, what this video does, it pre-frames what they're about to discover, what they're about to watch. You're not just throwing them in into a, you know, a long webinar video. Very so this is, a, this is a direct response concept called base hit, which is mean we're not going for the home run on Ingle, any single point in this journey. It's all about base hits, and they can go as quickly or as slowly as they need to through them. Exactly. So, you know, they, they, you build a relationship here. They come here, and it will say something like, uh, hey, thanks so much for requesting the video. Um, what you're about to watch is a 50-minute, but it's important that you tell them how long it is. Um, and here's the reason why I think you're going to find this interesting. And you're then you're going to give them some benefits to what you, they're going to discover. And uh, also, you're going to also say to them that, by the way, when you stick around to the end of the video, you want to give them something that they're going to get for free. Um, and that, that's going to entice them to get to the next step. And this all works around the commitment, consistency, yeah. micro-commitments, getting them through this. To actually watch the main event video. Okay, Ollie, I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna push you forward more than maybe you yeah. were hoping to go because I did distract yeah. you into going into the funnel. I think people now have a, a framework for this phone funnel enough, 
So if they want more, you know, you can tell them later how to get more details on that. Let's now jump to what started happening with your sales guy. So you hired one sales guy. So Concerned about his technology understanding, because I think this is the, the big deal is you were able to say, okay, I'm going to put the phone work funnel in place, but the, the real like surprises for you were actually in the response of the sales guy to this process, I thought. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, um, you know, that, 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 that overview is obviously the mechanic. Yeah. Uh, the, the thing that is extremely important is being able to um, get this was being able to get this guy onboarded in the shortest time possible to figure out or not whether or not I was going to keep the business, you know. So um, what amazed me was just how quickly we could get him into fix your funnel because we didn't need Infusionsoft in order for this to work. Instead, he could just use the fix your funnel web portal um, to be able to work from every day to be able to make calls from, for, to people that had requested him to speak to them. Um, and now, his prior experience, had he just like picked up the phone and dialed numbers? Yeah, he'd even, I mean, his, his whole concept when he came in was like, hey, um, I've never used anything like this because I'm used to just almost just dialing for dollars because it's all about the activity that drives the result. You've got to keep going and churning and churning and churning to get through to somebody initially. Then you've got to make, you know, you've got to go through the motions of going through qualification with them and everything else. Right. The funnel that we talked about did a couple of things. The funnel got the qualified people to a point where they were going to schedule calls with him um, and then he was able to have meaningful dialogue with them to move them further down the process. Yeah, I think this exemplifies that concept of we use automation to eliminate human nature, but to enhance humanity. Because what you did is all the places where a sales guy might get bored and stop doing the things he's supposed to be doing, you let automation cover that part. But it took it to the point of where do two humans need to connect in order for that relationship to really be taken to a level where there's enough trust, where I say, here's my money. Absolutely, yeah. And, you know, when we look back at phase three of our evolution, one of the things that we found from a lot of customers would be, although the automated webinar took money, we asked for a monetary commitment from them at the end of the webinar, we still had to speak to them to get the rest of their money. But, People's feedback was, oh, I love speaking with Donna because she um, answered some final questions for me that were like niggling me. And I know I'd made this financial commitment. So it meant that like, you know, there was a bit of remorse there in some cases that they made this commitment. Maybe they shouldn't have made the commitment. Whereas the phone funnel created a situation where we were saying to them, hey, if you'd like to... Um, take the next step. If this sounded interesting to you, if this sounded good, you'll be, you'll love the fact that we could set up a call, find out about your personal circumstances, answer any of your questions, and we can then, if it makes sense and it's a good fit, then we can talk about what training course is going to work for you. And so it just felt much more of a natural 
uh, approach and a much better experience. For the, for the so people. this is the myth that we had brought up and not really explicitly stated earlier, was this myth that it's either marketing or it's sales. Right, exactly. It's not marketing and sales together, you know. And so what you, you did here with the phone funnel process is you allowed marketing automation to do what it's really good at, which is getting people, routing them through, delivering information, preparing them for the sales conversation. And then now you married up that sales conversation in a way that it was a perfect passing of the baton versus this line that nobody communicates back and forth between. So, so what was the sales guy's experience then now that he's doing something totally different from what he'd done before? First of all, he was like, I'm, first of all, my contact rate, like the people he was speaking to, was exponentially high. So he didn't, his energy levels were high. Because he's now dealing with people that want to speak to him, not people that didn't want to speak to him. Um, that was one. And we did that by using, uh, as well as the scheduling process, we used the pre-call SMS feature. Mm. So that it meant that he could send them a text message to say, hey, it's my, I just wanted to introduce myself. We've got a call later today. Let me know if it's just text me back if it's not if it's not convenient time for you. Um, I actually think the wording slightly different to that. Um, that's more sure. a colder colder one. I think it's like, hey, I'll be reaching out soon, um, and just so you know, you have my details. So there's a couple of different contexts there, depending on your context mm -hmm. of your situation. Then you're going to word it differently, and you know this is interesting because for a lot of people, this flies in the face of what sales trainers have been saying for. For years, which is don't let them know you're coming, sneak up and attack, you know. But the reality is, um, as technology has advanced, it really has made people hunger more for honesty, upfrontness, and communication. So by by doing that pre-call SMS and just stating very clearly, here's who I am, here's why I'm calling, it allows people to then communicate in the same ma manner, you know, honestly and openly about fantastic or not interested, which for a salesperson, what drains salesperson energy is not getting a hold of people. Right. So dialing and dialing and dialing pulls the energy level down, starts to take the mind out of conversation mode, puts it into a different mode. So at an unconscious level, it really destroys the person's effectiveness. So being able to increase the conversation rate not only, you know, you can look at it from a numbers point. If I make a uh, hundred calls and I talk with 10 people, I'm only going to have so many sales based off of those 10 conversations. If I can change that into 20 calls or conversations from a hundred calls or 30 conversations, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out, well, we should probably double or triple sales if that occurs. But it actually is better than that, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And Here's the other thing is like you talk about energy levels. If you want your best salespeople, your top producers, getting bogged down with technology, give them something that you know is going to be hyper like hyper difficult for them to learn and difficult for them to use and not enjoy using. Because if people don't enjoy using it, they will cut corners on uh, completing yeah. the calls correctly and they will 
they'll only do what they want to do and they'll do that at bare minimum. So we provided an environment for him where he was able to be very focused on what he needed to get done. And uh, we created a, a call list. We created several call lists for him. The first call list was the calls that he needed that were scheduled and were going to be made today. Okay, so he would come in and he would pre-call SMS all those people. Um, <clears throat> now, of course, because people have been responding with their text platform throughout the whole journey to get there, it felt very normal for them to text back if it wasn't a good time for him to speak to them. That's very important because it's how they got there that was important that allowed us to be able to do that. In the first place. Yeah, you had to open those doors, otherwise you couldn't use them. You had to open that channel of communication in the first place in order to be able to use it effectively and for it to be effective. So that's important. Secondly, the second call list that we have for him is the calls that he'd spoke to the day before or the week before that he'd scheduled to speak to at some point in the future. So he'd had a meaningful conversation and they'd said, hey, this sounds great. Give me a call back next Thursday. Give me a call back tomorrow. They're the follow-up calls that he needs to make today. So again, very, very easy for him to know, okay, priority one, I've got to make the scheduled call. Priority two, these are the people that I promised I would follow up with at a specific uh, time in the future. Um, and then the third list was the people that um, hadn't necessarily um, requested us to speak to them but were the most qualified in the funnel to be able to reach out to. And most qualified based on behavior? Based on their behavior through the funnel. So they consumed content um, and they watched a certain proportion of the video because we could do some video tracking with Picture Funnel um, and Wistia to understand that they've gone so far but they haven't taken the next step. Yeah. That's, see, that's fantastic. So yeah, I, I want people to also recognize what we're doing for salespeople in this scenario that Ollie's talking about is we're eliminating everything that's not essential. And, you know, yes, at Fix Your Funnel, we develop these tools, but we don't do it just so that we can sell something. We're, we're looking at the actual sales process. What's the psyche of the salesperson? What's the psyche of the consumer, the, you know, the prospective customer or customer on the other side of that line? And what should be present and what absolutely should not be present so that the salesperson can stay totally focused on the one thing that they're really supposed to be doing, which is having conversations. Effective yeah, sales from, it comes from one human connecting with another human. Not from looking at a million different things inside of a Fusionsoft contact record, but rather saying, what's the context of which this conversation is going to be occurring? And then having those conversations. We want to eliminate all decisions the salesperson has to make. We want to eliminate all distractions, extra information that really is irrelevant to the context of what that conversation needs to be. And let them just focus on connecting with people. And what happens is you can go from having like initially when you first were starting the business, you started to grow. How many salespeople did you actually get to at your peak? Well done. Yeah, well, initially we, we were up to six people back in the day. Yeah. You know, we, we then tried to get down. We, we got down then to this automated 
Zero. <laughs> zero. Um, and then we realized that, hey, guess what? When you're making a $2,000 decision, hmm, I wonder how many people want to actually speak to somebody rather than trying to imply false scarcity and by the way, you know, you've got a you've got four day deadline after the webinar. You showed up but you didn't buy, you registered but you didn't show up, you showed up but you didn't see the offer. You know, like it's it's just a bit crappy. You know, it's just a bit of a crappy experience uh, for people. I use I think Troy Broussard has said it something like this, but because something about him well, him is bouncing around in my head and saying this, but in my marketing, if I wouldn't like to go through that experience, I don't do it. If in my sales, I, you know, I don't want to be sold that way, then I say, let's not do that. You know what I mean? Well, let me tell you something. I, I'll be honest. I came, I've come from a hardcore direct response background. And when I say hardcore, I mean spending a lot of money with offline marketing to make money you quickly get very good at marketing when you have to do offline marketing. Sure. People don't realize how easy it is these days with online marketing. Yeah. To get offline costs money. Yeah, so you get good at everything. Or you get out entirely. And so there's no question I've used those tactics in the past. So no question. But let me tell you something. You get a very different customer. And customers, remember, we're in business to, 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 to get customers, but we're also in business to keep customers. Yes. And the experience that people come through when you persuade, cajole, and twist people's arms to make decisions isn't the quality of customer that you may want to create a, a long-term relationship with. The kind that you get with your phone funnel. Exactly. Okay, so the sales guy now, he's, he's making the calls. He's using these three contexts to, to dial from. He's starting to use pre-call SMS. What, how did he respond to all this? And I think the reason that this yeah. is important for anybody that is a business owner, consultant, or whatever, is they need to understand um, there is this belief that every employee goes south. The reason employees go south is because they hate their life. Okay, because you're the job you're making them do sucks bad. And so you can make a job suck less by having good systems and processes in place and not making them do stupid stuff. You know, you do that. And guess what? People love to be there and they stay long term. And so having employees isn't as bad because you're taking care of them and they're doing good stuff and they feel good about who they are and what they're doing. That person doesn't go south as frequently as the person who's forced to do crappy stuff in a crappy position and deal with people that they don't really want to deal with. So how did this salesperson respond? Because obviously he's been selling for a while. This isn't his first rodeo. His his whole life has been a sales professional. There are two types of people. There are people that try and sell and the salespeople. Yeah. Okay, the salesman. Okay. He's not somebody that tries to sell. He's a salesperson. Okay. So so his whole life has been, he's been a sales professional. Um, And he simply just couldn't quite grasp that, hold on, I can, people are responding through text messages to me, and then we're actually getting on the phone together. 
So away from the three contacts that he's got and those that that daily routine, and yeah, running, he's now getting people that are just texting him from automated marketing. So the thing is, we didn't just stop with follow up beyond them watching the video or not. We sent automated messages through Picture Funnel and Infusionsoft that elicited a conversation. So it meant that we were asking the question mark that meant that people responded to him and now he's not he's got a fourth context and the fourth context is people now coming back to conversation starters. Wait, you're running conversation starters in your marketing campaigns and people are responding to those and having conversations with your sales guy that he didn't initiate? Yeah, could you believe that? I can't believe it. So he's now when that starts happening, what's going on and what's his response? I mean, he's got to be in a different world. Well, yeah, because he's now going like, oh, I got this message from this guy. He wants to get on a call. He's texting me. Well, he's not in one of my other lists. I'm like, yeah, I know. Like, don't worry. There's like some other things that are happening behind the scenes here. Um, and actually what I did one day was I uh, had one of my team just show him the inner workings of how this was put together. And he's like, I know that how everything gets sold to me, why I buy all this stuff like out in the world. But what he realized was, was like not only how people sell to him, like the big corporations that really get this stuff, but actually he realized more importantly, the way that we did it felt natural. It felt human. And he respected the fact that the psychology and the, the, the thought process that went into this just made sense. Yeah. And that, that, that was proof in the fact that people were coming back to him and say, hey, Mike, I'd love to jump on the phone and talk about this. Now's not a good time. And they're seeking him out to start a conversation. Okay, so we talked about it before. Marketing, sales coming together in this way that's organic and natural from the way that people communicate is a game changer. So if you've been just playing this game or you've just been playing this game and getting results, you should be super excited. As a guy that I knew as a kid used to say, you should be psyched out of your gourd because what's happening at this point is you should be realizing that, hey, if I do what Ollie did and I start connecting these two, one, you're going to attract the best talent because is this guy going to go work for anybody else? He's a good sales guy, right? Is he going to go work for anybody else? No, because he knows what the crap is he's got to go through if he goes and work for somebody else. You know, he's like, I'm going to have to be dialing forever. I'm going to be not talking to people and I'm going to try and convince them to get this system I had with Ollie and they're going to give me crap about it and... Well, they, I, I've explained, like, I've given you, like, some of his reaction. The other things that he was extremely surprised about was, like, yeah, you know, when I used to just be calling people, leaving voicemails all the time, I reckon I spent hours leaving voicemails. I'm like, sounds very unproductive, Mike. What you need to do when you call somebody and you can't get through to me, just press this button here, and that leaves an automated voicemail. 
He's like, I don't understand. What do you mean? And he, I said, what we're going to do, just going to record a voicemail. Because they're all the same, aren't they, Mike? And he's like, yeah, they're all the same. Right, let's record a voicemail for these people. Okay, let's record a voicemail for these people. He's like, and you can just, I can just press it and it just delivers the voicemail to them? Yes, Mike. He's like, oh my gosh, that's going to save me so much time. That's amazing. And what we do in the voicemails, we don't just say, hey, it's Mike, I tried reaching out to you as per our call. We actually say to them, hey, thanks, you know, unfortunately I couldn't get through. Uh, you've got my number. Just text me back and we can organize a different call, a different time. So we. Oh, that's brilliant. So very important because the voicemails being left on that phone number. Now, like, it's just perfect because now they can continue the conversation with them through how they've initially responded. Makes perfect sense. So we're not jump, we're not getting them to jump through different uh, contexts or devices or, exactly. or applications. They're just doing it in in the, in, the, in the easiest way possible for them. Oh, that's brilliant. Okay, so, all right, now we got his reaction, we got your transformation, we got where you were, how you got here. What, I mean, we're now in June, so did you shut the business down? Absolutely not. So, this, this, is, a, this, is, this is great, like, listen, I know for the past, as I mentioned, two, three years or more that I've been harping on about this, this thing that we've been doing fantastic work for clients, I shouldn't be surprised that it worked for our own business. But when it's your own thing, you do have, um, you have an emotional connection. You also are very close to your own business, which means you are almost too close to see, you can't see the label from the inside of the bottle sometimes. And I realized that, um, you know, that more so than any other time when I realized that this business now is on a completely different velocity to where it was because of this process. Um, and actually, we've actually improved some of the things as part of the phone funnel framework training that we give to people and we do for clients, even as part of this process. A lot of the nuances of knowing our business intimately, we've been able to improve our process. And so we're, we're now, uh, we went from, we went from doing about $25,000 a month over the phone. Uh, well, $25,000 a month, sorry, in terms of um, revenue for automated stuff, okay, to to doing nearly $70,000 a month with only one more member of staff, with one member of staff, which was the salesperson and the phone funnel framework. And we... We're not running the automated stuff anymore, which means all of that money, all of that revenue is only coming through the phone funnel and is only coming through one salesperson. Now, so <laughs> I want people to notice how excited Ollie is. This is this is like Christmas morning and you got exactly what you asked from Santa, but it was 10 times better. This is the kind of excitement, you know, and this is the reason that we do what we do is, you know, that look on Ollie's face. And that's why we wanted to organize this call. And I want you to go in more depth in what you're doing. But 
you know, we're an hour and 20 minutes in. I'm fine with that. We can keep going as long as we want. Um, people that get what we're talking about at the beginning will stay and they'll, they'll watch the whole thing. Because what they'll understand is um, these are the kinds of results you should be having. That's why I wanted Ollie to take so much time to go into what was going on before. How did he get to that point? What did he start to change? And then what was the reaction of the salesperson? Because frequently we don't do things because why did you not hire a salesperson before this? Because you're like, it's going to be too much work. The results are going to be worth it. Um, this is, this is that, that's, you know, if you're on this side of the marketing thing, that's what you're thinking. You're thinking, well, crap, I know what this is like, because that's what we used to be, or you know, I've heard about what that's going to be like. This is not going to be worth it. But I wanted you guys to understand how Ollie brought these two together. And I know you just kind of touched the surface. There's probably a lot more to it that we could go into for another hour or so if we wanted. We still wouldn't get it all. But yeah, hopefully you got the main concepts, you know. You know that there are there are ways then to bring these two things together. But Ollie, what what else are you thinking that people need to know about what happened? Well, the the other thing is is that like the lead to buyer time. You know, okay. a lot of people who maybe are not quite uh, so sophisticated with their marketing systems, they may not really measure different times between each milestone in their sales process. So not, it's not necessarily a mistake. It's a slightly more sophisticated thing. But if you it's part of an evolution. It is. It is absolutely. And there's no doubt, you know, this is what we do. So you'd expect this. But what we did was we measured the lead to buyer time, and we always have done. And it went from 28 days as a typical average through the automated process that they registered they then went through an on-call webinar, then they went through an offer, et cetera, et cetera. You know, 28 days to eventually buying in most cases, that was the average, um, through to um, the, the implementing the phone funnel framework, we brought that down to 13 days and the last time I checked our metrics. So we... So, yeah, so I want to make sure people understand the significance of having that. So in... Retail, for example, we have inventory, right? We got to buy stuff, put it on the shelf so people can buy it. That takes capital. You have to put so much capital in it. So in retail, what you're counting is, is inventory turns. How many times can we turn the inventory? Because that investment and in capital to the inventory when it's sold produces a return on investment. So because you have a limited amount of capital to invest in inventory, how quickly you can turn it ends up creating how much revenue the business can go. So if I could take someone that's doing nine turns a year and get them to do 18 turns a year, they would double their, their revenue and most likely more than double their profits because that's not the, the, you know, there's not a fixed cost that's elevating with those turns. So if you can take your ad spend money, and you can get a, you can cut the time down in half. What you did is you, is you essentially doubled your number of inventory turns in terms of your marketing capital. So you could keep your budget the exact same and sell twice as much stuff with that same marketing capital. Or you could, the, the other option available is say, I'm going to double my marketing capital because it's really the same now because I split the return on it to half. I can double my marketing capital, not feel any difference in terms of my bank account, and you know produce that much more result. Is that what you were going to get to? Sorry if I interrupted. I just wanted to make sure. Yeah, that. no, absolutely. I mean, the the um, 
The other thing is that I, I, I think I should mention, in our quest previously to try different funnels in this particular business, try different offers, try different things, um, we, uh, you end up kind of getting burnt out by doing all of these different it's things. It's a lot of work. It is a lot of work. And the, the more... The more you know, and the more things that you can do, means that you you realise that there's lots of things you could do, but lots of only so many things that you should do. And when you arrive at that conclusion, you figure out that your business can probably go from where it is now to seven figures and beyond off one very simple framework funnel. Um, because you understand the core fundamentals and the levers between each part that drive the whole thing forward. When you arrive at that point, and it is an inevitable point, especially if you need to have a conversation with people in order to sell to them, you will find that you will arrive at the phone call. It's as simple as that. Um, and you will arrive at a very simple uh, process to move people from advertising to marketing and marketing to sales and and also not just sales but also customer delight and support because guess what happens when you sell to people where do you continue the conversation the conversation continues with the customer in the modality that they're, they're happy to communicate with you on. So now it means that now my salesperson is making after sales upsells, cross sells, cross fertilization of other services that he wouldn't have been able to probably do before because they can now communicate with him through the same platform, through the same process in supporting their success as a customer, which is very yeah. important. That's phenomenal because one of your so you're in competition with other businesses that do similar things to what you do, and one of the things you have to understand is that communication ability because it's communicating the market. What do I do? And allowing them to communicate with you. When you get that right, that is a huge distinction from other businesses. So if you look at your own experience, you probably spend more then you would need to spend on certain commodities and services because of the ease of that interaction, not because the price. Okay, so I think um, Dan Kennedy said it sometime, you know, that he's done the research on it or whatever. I don't know where he got the research from, but it, more or less, price is like number eight or nine on the list of things that people use to determine where they're going to spend their money. It is not number one. It's not number two. It's not even the top five. It's way down the list. However, price becomes an issue whenever those other eight or nine things aren't in play. So when you make it easy for people to communicate with your company in the modality that they prefer, which we already know, it's not like we got to guess it. You know, it's, it's a known quantity. You can take informal surveys and you can discover this pretty easy as well. But when you do that, and your business does that, guess how many other businesses are doing that right now? Well, not very well, many. Like you said, you know, every business has competition, right? And, and I think perhaps what you were referring to, the undercurrent of that is, we don't actually have any competition. 
because nobody is communicating in mass in one to many uh, conversations in the way that we are um, and the interesting thing is is when you go to Facebook and you're buying leads you're you're you're, you're doing um, you're generating leads um, using that interruption based marketing methods um, you're uh, people uh, generating traffic, buying traffic is the easiest thing in the world. It's never been any easier than it is today. Okay. Absolutely. Converting that traffic into intentional uh, intent, consumption, engagement, and conversation is a very, very, very different playing field. <laughs> so, Ollie, uh, okay. Do you feel like you're cheating sometimes? Well, you, you like gaming the system, really. You know? And you're not really doing anything wrong, but you almost feel like you're cheating compared to a lot of the other people because other people that may be trying to follow in your footsteps are looking at what you're doing and they can't figure out how can he afford to do that stuff because they know, oh, salespeople take money and time. You got to train them. You got to, you know, get them set up. You got to produce enough leads for them to call. You know, there's no way I can afford to do all that stuff. Um, well, I, I'm not going to do it. I'm just going to do automated, right? Yeah, sure. And then it's yeah. like, what, well, what's the newest automated webinar technique? Or, you know, how am I going to do this one-to-many thing? And, they're again, they're applying all the techniques that worked in search-based yeah. marketing, in SEO-based marketing right. to interruption traffic. And they're going, I can't understand why this isn't working better? It used to work so well. Oh, all these things go south. And, you know, in that report, um, Death of the Automated Webinar, you know. Oh, absolutely. I laid it out. You know, long and short, you don't have to, you don't have to be very smart. I'm not very smart. I'm just observing. You know, I just look around and go, man, when was the last time I sat around and waited until 6 p.m. to watch a show? If I want to watch something, what do I do? Netflix, YouTube, I want it on demand, I want it now. I'm not the only one. If you look at where all the money is going in entertainment, Netflix is putting out new new programs all the time. You know what I mean? Because the money is all there because that's where all the attention is flowing. So it, you don't have to be a super smart dude or dudette. All you got to do is just be a little observant to what, what are people doing differently and then use those concepts of marketing and stuff within that framework. And don't follow the crowd just because the crowd's going one direction in terms of the marketing gurus or the automation gurus. Because well, frequently yeah. they're using old rules for new situations. Yeah. I mean, not not to um, like, try and impress anybody here. I, I, don't, I, don't, I know I don't need to do that. But what I would say is one of the things that I do from time to time is I go in as the hired gun, like the consultant, to go into other marketers' businesses. And um, I this year I've done various different things with different people um, and been fortunate to work with a lot of cool people. Um, and um, literally people are astounded by the results of the phone funnel um, because they you know have, have adopted so many different things in the past to to try and move that business forward and um, made a very thing very complicated things have become 
um, you know, very onerous to report on. And now showing them the simplicity of this approach and the results that it brings from it um, is incredible. Um, and so, you know, I just encourage anybody really to to be able to take take the the first step to be putting this in place in the business for sure because it can truly transform. Yeah, I think that's really important. I think this is a good point to wrap it up in. Um, if you guys um, have any questions, you go ahead and you know message those in if you want. We'll try and answer some of those uh, real quick. But I think we gave you a lot to chew on in this hour and a half. Um, I think we could we could do another one of these very soon and uh, talk more about some of the intricacies and details. But I think the long and short of it to remember is just understand um, – Keeping it simple is actually going to make a huge difference. Don't worry about making all this complicated stuff. Be be hesitant to listen to the gurus that are telling you you got to do all these complicated things, um, because the simpler it, now, understand simplicity does not mean not sophisticated, right, Ollie? Um, exactly. Yeah. yeah. It, it can be very sophisticated and simple at the same time. But simplicity is is the direction you want to be going with these things because then you can continue to do them and they don't break down. Um, my dad's a huge Tesla fan, almost to the point of being annoying. Sorry, Dad. But um, he's like, you know how many moving parts are in a Tesla compared to a gas engine? <laughs> All right, point taken, Dad. Uh, but, you know... The, if, if you can just look at your system and you can refine it down, use these principles and concepts all he was talking about, you'll, you'll be better off and it will be sustainable and people will be much happier to be working with you. Um, one last thing that I'll point out here, Ollie's got an event in San Diego uh, this weekend. I, like I was telling him before, unfortunately, I, I can't get on it, but Ollie's event um, is going to be Saturday and Sunday in San Diego. Ollie, is there a good way for people to get more information on that? Do you think you could post that in the comments as well? Yeah, absolutely. I will do. Okay. Um, I really wish that I could be there. I have got some family things that are preventing me from getting there. I was telling Ollie, I'm trying to figure out a way to get down there. Because as you can see, I, I get a lot from um, what Ollie's teaching. And we've known each other for a long time. So I've been able to enjoy that for a while. But if you went through this conversation, you're like, yeah, this was really cool. Ollie, do you mind just taking a couple minutes? I know you, know, you probably got to go because it's late where you are. Um, but would you mind just briefly explaining what the nature of the event is? Because it's a little bit different than what people typically get when they hear event. You know, they usually think talking head in front of a room, speaking at people for hours until the brain starts dripping out the ears, and then you know they want to go hang out in the hall and talk with people because they've had too yeah, much. We have a, a product called the Automation Playbook Library. And, um, it's a playbook of, of campaigns of which the phone funnel framework is actually one of those campaigns. And um, all these campaigns work for virtually any type of business. And they're the exact SOPs that we use in our agency for clients that pay us $15,000 a month to do their marketing for them. We know that they work. Um, and so I decided to put this event together called the Automation Playbook Live. Um, and the difference between this event and 
other events is the fact that you're actually going to be able to get some of these campaigns deployed. In fact, not some of them, you'll actually have all of these campaigns deployed into your business um, so that um, you can um, get the benefit from it. Um, and get the results from it. So do you kind of have these campaign templates that you will push into their app and then they'll just be tailoring them? Is that what you do? Uh, there's, there's eight uh, campaigns uh, with all of the copy written, all the sequences done, um, all of the infrastructure and architecture put around them um, that are deployable into Infusionsoft applications with all of the relevant integrations uh, ready to go. Um, What's important is that, that that is a side benefit because most people, when they go to events, they um, you know they come away with a lot of information, but you know lack the ability to then go and implement stuff. At this event, I'm you know extremely focused on te people taking decisive action on what they learn, and so. Not only am I going to give you the context behind these campaigns and why they work and how they work, um, but also I'm going to give actually give them to you. So you're going to learn and they're going to be implemented as well for you. Um, and so we've got two days together in sunny San Diego um, with, um, with, with a small group of people. That unfortunately, we, we, we're limited to only 25 people. I purposely wanted to make it more of a workshop environment uh, where there's an opportunity to, to, to ask questions of me. I'm doing all of the, virtually all of the sessions. In fact, my content writer um, is doing one session, and my co head copywriter, Kevin Hill, who wrote for Agora, was Russell Brunson's copywriter for five years, and done, made millions of dollars with sales copy, he's my head copywriter. He's also doing two sessions. The rest is with me. I think like, that means I'm doing like 13 sessions throughout the two days. Um, and so you're not getting outside speakers, selling stuff. That's not what this is about. Uh, this is really a, a, an event where um, like-minded people can come together, uh, whether you're, um, you know, early six figures in revenue or maybe even you're just starting out, um, or even for those people that have got a significant size business and know that they want to grow, automate, scale their business more effectively. Cool. And you guys now have a little bit of context on Ollie's perspective on things, which I think is important. Um, I was thinking about this. I'll just say this quick aside. If you're a partner and you're watching this, you should really pay attention to Ollie's model in terms of the, an event like that because it's really effective for helping people. Um, but, you know, don't steal Ollie's stuff. You know, take your own <laughs> things and do it. But the, the long and short of it is you, what you want to be doing if you can make it down to San Diego is, you know, if you haven't already, get my book, How to Fix Your Funnel, and just give that a quick read. It's like a couple-hour read. And then to give you context for which of these campaigns really is going to be the biggest difference for you. Of course, you've also heard about Ollie's experience and, and how his evolution of uh, over-automating and then coming back into that balance point, you know, where we had sales and marketing actually working together. And so you'll want to, you know, having that context, understand that when he's giving you some of these things, that's the context he's coming from. Like you said, through this experience, and it's fairly fresh, you refine some of these campaigns even further 
with your own experience realizing, oh, wow, that's super powerful. Um, need to make sure that's in there. Uh, that's probably not as important. Let's drop that out. So you've got the, the, the recently refined version and you know, just somebody that's been through uh, this marketing automation journey over 10 years is really helpful for giving context because he's already made all the mistakes that are typical that maybe you're going to make organically if you do things on your own, or if you're a new uh, person to a fusion soft, you're going to, you're going to make these mistakes because we've seen it. I mean, Ollie, how many people follow the same process? Everyone. Like it's very rare to see somebody that will leapfrog that whole process and get right to the right point because it's just a natural part of how humans interact with these you know, parameters is that they're naturally going to want to drive too far. And then, you know, the question is, will they learn how to pull back to the right place? And, you know, since Ollie's already done that, that's why I feel very confident that, um, you know, if you get the chance to be in San Diego, I think you've only got a few slots and that's not, you know, the fake, yeah, that's not the fake thing. And we weren't planning on promoting that event. I just thought, you know, it would be good for people that carried through this whole conversation if they can make it to, you know, get one of those those slots that are open and be there and, and just experience that process because I think it'll be really effective. And, you know, for those that stuck around for the whole hour and 41 minutes, um, I know that every second of it is worth it because what we covered here will help you avoid a lot of mistakes, a lot of heartache, a lot of pain. And if you can apply the principles that Ollie was talking about, um, you're going to do really well in your business, which there's a lot of things at stake for that. And I just want to point them out. There's the people that you're going to help as a result of doing things more effectively. You're going to help more people. And helping more people, if you're doing something good, is a big deal. So you got to do that because that all ripples across to other things. You're going to help yourself, which is really important too. you got to help yourself as you're helping other people. Otherwise, you're going to lose energy and burn out. So you're going to help. And you notice the excitement that Ollie had on his face. If you're not having that in your business right now, you can get it. Just rewatch this video. This would be a video worth watching a couple of times. Uh, we don't do that anymore because there's so much crap being thrown at us. But it would be worth it to watch this a couple of times. There's a lot of nuances that were discussed here that could be really powerful and game-changing for your business. And you'll notice I didn't charge you jack squat for this call or for this thing because I want you to get this stuff. I want you to understand it. Because my business and my life was totally transformed by a few good people sharing some really good information that I was able to pick up, put into practice, and everything changed for me. Um, if you saw me, and I've, you've, if you've been on any of my webinars in the past, you know this. Back in 2006, you would have found a highly depressed dude laying in his bed at 3 a.m. going, how am I going to take care of my family? Um, it was tough. Uh, I didn't know which way to go. But because a few people shared some really important things with me about marketing automation, about direct response marketing, and I got an opportunity that landed in my lap to to apply that stuff, everything changed for me. And so I'm hoping that we can do the same for you with this, you know, this broadcast. So um, rewatch it if you didn't get a chance. If you don't use Infusionsoft, watch it anyways if you got a business. Because there's principles and concepts you'll pick up here, and maybe Infusionsoft will be right for you. That's fine. Um, but, you know, this is easier than it looks. Um, these concepts are easier to apply than you think. Um, yes, there's a lot of nuance. There's a lot of intricacy in the details. But you can get pretty close, and that can get you to a point where then you can get somebody like Ollie to help you to get the rest of the way. Um, you know, just start. 
and use these things the best that you can. I appreciate all you guys jumping on and spending the time. I know we'll get a lot of people that watch this on replay. Um, any questions? I was stalling so you guys could ask questions. Yeah, yeah. But if there's no question, I know that frequently happens with uh, my trainings. Ollie's, you know. You answer all the questions. Answer all the questions <laughs> preemptively because I'm always thinking like that, you know. How do you address the concerns before they come up? But if you do have any questions, um, now's a good time. You've got about five seconds left. Three, two, one. Any closing thoughts, Ollie? Is there you're going to put in the comments? I guess a way that people can yeah. reach yeah, out to you if they have questions uh, or anything. What, what I was going to say is for those for those of you who are uh, listening to this or going to watch the replay, if you can't make it to San Diego, so that you know can't make it to the event, that's totally cool. Um, I'm sure there'll be an opportunity for us to connect with each other. Uh, but the conversation. The, here doesn't have to stop. Um, what I'd like to do is, is uh, I have a my kind of inner circle kind of coaching thing is called Players Club, and uh, inside Players Club we give you um, tools, training, coaching, advice, guidance to help you on your way through your different different phases of business, and um, um, the phone funnel um, that we've been talking about here. Um, that we help other people implement is part of Players Club. You get access to it when you join Players Club. And you can go through the training, uh, you can have a deployable Infusionsoft campaign pushed into your app with the phone funnel copy done for you. Um, and you get that as part of Players Club. You also get all of the other eight campaigns of the Automation Playbook Library. And you get, on, get to jump on a call with me every other week, uh, which it, hopefully is a good thing for you, um, and uh, help me, uh, allow me to kind of understand you, your business, and um, uh, get you past some challenges and frustrations that uh, that you may be having, um, that um, allows me to be connected with our players in, in, our, in our inner circle community. So if that's of interest, and you can't make it to the event, then um, you should definitely check out Players Club. I think it'll be a good thing for everybody to say. Very cool. Is yeah, resources like that that changed everything for me back in 2006, 2007. Um, you know, somebody that was willing to teach me some things that I didn't know, opened my mind up to some new possibilities that then started to expose opportunities that were sitting around me that I couldn't see before. So I'm a big fan of, of getting some good mentors who have been down the road further than you and, and learning from them. It looks like uh, my buddy Ted is going to be at your seminar in San Diego, so make sure you reserve a oh, spot cool. for him. Uh, Ted and I go way back when I was in San Diego, so that'll be good to have him there for you. All right, um, I guess no questions, but I appreciate you being on here. It was I learned a lot, and hopefully other people did as well. I'm I'm confident that they did if they paid close attention. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I just want to say um, a big thank you to you, um, and, and obviously Trent also by extension. Yeah. Um, very grateful for for our relationship um, that we've had for, as you mentioned, quite quite some time now, going back to sort of 2011, 2012, um, and. Um, you know, I think sometimes people don't quite realise that the, the power of um, uh, of some of the concepts that uh, that, that we talk about 
and some of the uh, the ways that you can deliver, amplify, articulate, crystallize your message to get that message in the hands of the people that you can make the most difference to. Um, and, um, you know, uh, that's why you want to continue on this journey uh, that you're on um, to, to do what you do. And, um, you know, you've made a big impact to a lot of people. You've made a big impact to me. So I appreciate you and, and everything that you do as well and everybody mm-hmm. over at Picture Funnel. So thank, thank you. Thank you. That's very humbling. I'll pass that on to Trent too. I know, you know, we, we try and lay some groundwork. We can do better at expressing it. That's why we're doing this training. We want to make sure people get into their hands this information so that they can do the most good with the least amount of effort for other people and themselves and take care of those people that they care about while they're still on this planet.